welcome to Everyday Androvian, a locally produced podcast to help us walk more closely with Jesus. I'm joined by Josh. Jono, it's great to be here. It's good we, to be here. We have an exciting episode today. It's so exciting. It's more exciting, you'd say, than the three pool noodles that you've got adjacent to you. Or the 630 gram packet of twisties <laughs> that you have committed to consuming after opening before. Well, I'll confess, I'm committed to conf- to consuming the bowl full of twisties that I've got. I don't know if I'll do the whole packet today. Well, you can't have them going stale, Jono. Yeah, well, more exciting than twisties is the resurrection Mm -hmm. and its implications for Christian living. But before we get there, we would like to introduce to you a local theologian by the name of Andrew Rees. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hello, good to be here. Long-time listener, first-time attender. (laughs) It's wonderful to have you in the studio and uh, the studio is my office, just next to your office. So you, yes, you've indeed. probably heard the recording of Everyday Androvian before. I have. Now to be but inside as the, would the experience say, is amazing. Sort of through a mirror dimly. Yep. Now, now I'm getting the full experience. Uh, to begin with, we'd like to get to know you just a little bit. If you could provide some background information. Very <laughs> <laughs> well, clinical. Six, six two. <laughs> Has he come in for his consultation at the doctor's? Hazel eyes. <laughs> what, what information do you ask? Uh, when did the Last pain I start? checked, I weighed 82 kilos. Oh, wow. I haven't checked in quite a while. That's, that's, that's impressive. Perhaps give us, can you tell us how it was you became a Christian? What it was that was, um, yeah, I guess pivotal in you deciding yeah. to, to follow Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I became a Christian in 1988, but I think God was very kind to me in that both my parents are Christian. And so it was always an element of our life as a family growing up, although my brother and sister are not Christian. Um, But I don't think it was until about early year seven that I really grasped what uh, the Christian faith was all about. And I think that happened in the context of just relationships formed in the youth group that I was a part of. I've got a very distinct memory of two moments in that year. One of them, sitting in the back of a four-wheel drive, we'd just gone abseiling of all things. I'd never done it before. It was uh, freaked me out doing it, but I uh, enjoyed doing it. Um, and just sitting in the back of a car of people who were obviously Christians, and I was still trying to work out what I thought, but just to see their great joy Uh, in being together and their joy in their faith in Jesus. That struck me. And then a moment later in the year after just week in, week out, hearing about Jesus and hearing uh, all that he had done for me and realizing just how blasé I'd been about it and not really interacting with it in any personal way. I remember sitting in a church service on a Sunday night and thinking, you know what, I need to repent. I need to uh, say to God that I've been living as if he's not there and say sorry for that and ask for his forgiveness and tell him to take over. And that was the moment, 1988. Mm. And since that moment, and indeed even now in the present day, if you could isolate one thing that really helps you keep going as a Christian, what would that be? Yeah, I, I think uh, there's a number of things, but right at the heart of it is 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 almost back in that four-wheel drive. It's the relationships of being with other Christian brothers and sisters um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, one of my heroes in the Christian faith, has this brilliant uh, idea of how at times our faith, our personal faith can grow weak and we can grow uncertain about what we know and understand. And to have a brother or sister speak the word of Jesus to us 
makes all the difference. And I guess for me, that's what's so good about things like this podcast, just having another voice speak the word of Jesus to us. So that's always been pretty precious to me. It's why I love church. That's why I've ended up uh, serving in a church because wanting to be part of that process for myself, but for others as well. Mm. And could you just go a little bit more into that that journey from becoming a Christian and then you becoming a Christian minister, so yeah. serving full-time in Christian ministry? Yeah, uh, look, I, I think uh, in many ways I got caught up in the wrong crowd. Um, I Youth group I was a part of, I think by the end of year 12, as I look back on that group now, there's about 40 of them in some form of full-time gospel ministry consuming twisties they there there were very few twisties around i'm not sure if twisties were invented back in the day (laughs) my uh, choices i i think there was just a real atmosphere that that conveyed that the things of uh god and the things uh, that jesus had done were of such importance and life was so short that now was the time to just really go for it and Mm. when it comes to the lord to to uh, to push the boat out, which was one of the things we used to say to each other a lot. And now to have deep Christian friends from that era serving the Lord all over the world is just just amazing. So that that's how I, I got sort of swept up in that that movement that, that God brought about, just a, a generation of people that he sent out uh, to serve in different ways. So what's the journey been like in ministry? You studied... Yeah, at more college. I remember correct? being convinced in about year ten that I wanted to go into full time ministry, but uh, I went to university, got a real job for a little while. As uh, I worked in logistics wow. for Unilever, I was the third party production planner. That sounds like an important role. Uh, yeah, 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 maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, we we made a lot of deodorant. Uh, is what we did. Yeah, and I I loved it actually. I think I would be very happy to be in that sort of field. And working, and I did economics at, at uni and loved that. I, uh, I, yeah, really enjoy those things, but was pretty convinced that uh, ministry, gospel mm. ministry full time was what I wanted to do. So after working for a bit, uh, that paid my way through Bible college and then, yeah, served in churches in Sydney and, and beyond. Now, since. just quickly on that, beyond, I believe you yeah. served in the parish of the Arctic Monkeys, is that correct? The parish of the Arctic Mon- Monkeys, yes. very close to there. I was oh, in right. Sheffield. They were in a little town called Huddersfield okay, uh, nearby. So you served but, adjacently uh, to the parish of the Arctic yes, Monkeys. Yes, indeed. Okay. Yeah. Still yeah. quite a claim. Yeah. What was yeah. that like, English parish ministry? Um, it was also the, uh, the, the city where Pulp the band Pulp came from. Mm, lesser known, but nevertheless, yeah. Pulp. <laughs> 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 They're great. Um, anyway, what was it like in Sheffield? We, we we moved to Sheffield after three years in ministry, full-time ministry in Sydney. We knew nothing of Sheffield other than the movie The Full Monty, if you've seen that movie. Oh, yeah. It's not a great first impression. Um but we loved it. The, we, we made the decision to move there saying we're going there permanently and uh, to set that course for our lives. And the Lord blessed that decision with just uh, just a really fruitful season of ministry and uh, deep Christian friendships that were pretty formative for Liz, my wife, and I and thinking through how we wanted to uh, go about serving the Lord that they're still very much shaped the way we think and, and try to function. Fantastic. So um, we've been speaking this last yeah last few weeks really uh, post Easter about uh, resurrection. So that's kind of a, a topic we just wanted to delve a little bit mm. further into um, with you, Andrew, while you're here as well. Um, 
to start off though, um, Jono, you've preached a couple of times on that theme recently. Could mm-hmm. you maybe just give us a summary slash overview just to orient us to the topic? Yeah. Um, well, in the first sermon I gave on resurrection, I think I wanted to make the point that it says something about who Jesus is. Um, I really emphasize that it says that Jesus is king and he's the one who will bring history to its close. And therefore, it's really important that we relate to him rightly as the king because he's the one who controls history and therefore he controls the ultimate destiny of every human being. Um, And I also slipped in there the idea that uh, we should uh, depend on him, delight in him and and look to him ultimately for deliverance. And uh, more recently, I uh, just threw out uh, three points about what the resurrection means for us in the future. And I said that uh, it'll be a resurrection of the body. It will be our body and our body will be transformed. So that's, that's the kind of groundwork for understanding uh, the resurrection. Okay, great. So Jesus' resurrection, that was kind of week one. Mm-hmm. Our resurrection, week two. kind of week two. So we're going to try to just, I guess, bash around those ideas mm-hmm. a little bit and see what comes out pool noodle bash pool, well yeah it's a kind of gentle bashing but yeah it's probably the way we want to go mean, you know like yeah. it still gets a result so jesus resurrection this idea that it shows that he's king um coming back from the dead defeating death he is king of the world undisputably if you believe in the resurrection then that's the the natural conclusion right mm. so uh that's what the resurrection shows us about jesus what does that mean for us, what is? What do you guys reckon? Yeah, I was thinking about that uh, after hearing Jonathan's first sermon, and it really did strike me how how little I think about that aspect of of the resurrection that it declares Jesus as King. I know that, but so easy to forget. I focus on, uh, I guess, our resurrection rather than what it means and declares about Him. I was thinking about it, and it reminded me that what I often hold on to is it means that. Sin isn't the final word, we're forgiven, but Mm. it actually means I don't get the final word either in my Mm. life. That's what it means from now on. He's king. Um, And I don't, it's not my will, but his. Mm. Uh, So that's what it's meant to mean for me. It means every day is now changed. He he sets the, he calls the tune. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. And what what I find comforting about it is um, when I think about history from a kind of godless perspective, history's a, a kind of, uh, cheating label to put onto it. Um, a what, what? what I'm, a cheating label? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a cheat because it implies that there's sort of a meaning to be derived from. But y- y- when you stop and think about it, there's just stuff going on and there seems to be no overriding purpose. Mm. Um, human beings human beings have agendas and they achieve stuff they don't. They hurt each other. They are kind to one another. And it just seems like it's heading n- nowhere if you sort of remove God, like necessarily, like it, it, there's not an overriding purpose. But the resurrection, in a kind of spectacular way, marks out. No, no actually, Jesus is the one who will, who will um, steer, who will captain history to to its proper end. Mm. Um, so God is in control. It says very powerfully and universally, God is in control. Um, the American novelist um, Kurt Vonnegut, uh, in in one of his novels, one of his characters says, you know, the the point of history. Is that there's no there's there's no point to be drawn from history, like that's 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 what 
but but the resurrection of Jesus has the opposite conclusion. The, the point of history is that Jesus is king, mm-hmm. and, and everyone's got to take that on board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a wonderful comfort, isn't it? That there is a point to everything that's going on, and that's probably particularly a comfort when things don't seem to make sense, and within you know within that moment you can't see the direction that that this thing is going. Yeah. Especially at the moment, I guess, where we live such a finite period of time that we, we get used to predictable patterns that we think we can mm. control. And the current era is not one of those. And that's really thrown us, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet to remember he, he is king. He's king now in this season as he was before, as he will be the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's wonderful. Yeah, because for resurrection to take place, death has to take place, right? Yeah. And that's its glory. Like, it, it is glorious, of course, for Jesus to, you know, just exist eternally. That's, that's one, you know, one, one level of glory. But for him to defeat death, to go through suffering and come out the other side victorious, that's something else. But it's, it's, the, it's the, I guess, the, the suffering, the, the, the part that doesn't make sense that makes the resurrection all the more glorious and all the more hopeful mm. yeah and i'm kind of jumping to the second sort of center of discussion oh, we I can think. do that uh, yeah, we, we'll, we we'll just jump around yeah jump around yeah i, I went to centennial park the other day and um and I, and I hadn't been there in years so i grew up on the other side of the bridge and i remember just seeing all these familiar sites you know and it's and it's beautiful and peaceful and so on but um it i i was thinking about something that um uh, this guy Christopher Watkin had has said about reality that it's not static; it's it's waiting to be transformed. That's that's the Christian view. So as as like as pretty as that was, or you take a different sort of example, as horrible as the situation might be, the resurrection is going to change all that and, and and change it only for the better. Because because some change in our lives really heralds sort of harmful or unhappy things, whereas what the resurrection heralds. And what what it will bring in is, is just glory and and joy and and positive transformation, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind of idea of yeah positive transformation gets I guess repeated in a Christian's life again and again in a sense. We we're talking earlier, Andrew, about a book you've been reading. Yeah. I think you actually reviewed it. In I did. Church and you really like the news. title, is that right? The J Curve. The J Curve, so, which I don't think is a great title for a book, but uh, it is a great book. I found it hugely encouraging because it it shakes from us that that perception that I think we we think the ideal life for us is this just this straight line where mm. everything's smooth and everything is predictable, and I'm I'm in control of it. And I I got to be honest, I I like that kind of life mm-hmm. um but it really shook me up to say no there's a pattern that the gospel of uh, the death and resurrection of jesus sets that is more like a j curve there is there is that uh, descent down into suffering and death that he went through and then there is the trusting his father trusting that he will be raised from death um a bit like we've we've seen in the in the psalms that he was convinced that his body would not be abandoned to the grave and we're meant to do the same thing. We're meant to not be shocked by that the down curve, um, to know that we are participating in that pattern that God has set. And it's actually the pattern he wants for us to experience, I guess, as you were saying, the, the joy of that resurrection, the joy mm. of being able to trust him and see him bring us out of that. Um, 
So yeah, a, hu- a hugely encouraging book. Uh, J Curve by Paul E. Miller. Typical American book. They've got to put their middle name mm. in there. But um, there could be other Paul Millers you'd get confused with. That's otherwise. true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Josh, can we talk about the bod? Yeah, let's let's go bod. We yeah. talked a lot about, I guess, the fact of the resurrection, but what, like, what does it actually look like? Mm. You've got, if I remember your sermon correctly, Jono, you had three sort of categories to think in. Yeah. Was this right? First one, uh, bodily. Bod. Second one, same, same bod, bod. Same bod. Third one. Transformed bod. Trans- transformed bod. Mm. Yeah. This is my contention. Changed my mind. You can use these three categories or ways of thinking about the resurrection to answer every single meaningful question. Okay. That one might ask about that future resurrection. So you said meaningful questions. Yeah. Which implies that you think there's some questions that are just not worth asking. We distinguish. Right. So um, can I ask you some and you can just tell, tell me if you think they're meaningful or not? Yeah. Will my brother's rabbit who died when he was 10 called Blackie be in heaven? In as much as it connects with an idea of happiness, that is p- at least partially meaningful. Okay, so that's a partial one. Yeah. So okay, Will... <laughs> that's a third category. A partial rabbit. But it's a... <laughs> a partial rabbit. Yeah, it's got a were-rabbit. <laughs> Is that heaven? And it's in hell. <laughs> um, all right, how about this one? Will... Yeah, will I have um, fingernails that grow... On my resurrection body. Some theologians, <coughs> Aquinas, reckon that that is worth asking. I don't really reckon it's worth asking. Okay, so just what's the what questions do you think are meaningful and what ones don't you think are meaningful? I think questions that have to do with our identity are okay. meaningful. For example, um, if someone is uh, born with a say a, a mental illness or impairment mm-hmm. um, and how that affects, say, their, their, their personality, um, given that we associate personality and identity so closely, what will we say they will be like in heaven? I, I think that's a kind of important question mm. that, that one can ask. So questions that have to do with identity. Um, so here I'm kind of speaking in categories as opposed to specific questions. Um, questions that have to do uh, with our happiness. So the, the sort of pet question or the mm. animal question, to an extent, um, does connect uh, i think with the third point transformation you know that is the, the purging of all that's bad and and the adding to what what is good in a kind of unimaginably glorious way um you know it, it's it sort of connects with that and, and with our happiness and our experience of the new creation um so, so those are examples of the mm. kinds of questions that i would say are meaningful and important so can we just step through your three your three um, kind of main contentions, bodily, same bodily, transformative. Yeah. So what does each of those mean in summary? Bodily. Physical. physical yeah, the body. It's not just, it's, it's not a metaphor. It's not just the soul. Yeah. Um, I believe uh, that the Bible teaches quite clearly that human beings are body, soul composites. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's why we look at a, a, a corpse of a loved one, say, at an open casket at a funeral and you and you know that is not that person. Mm. It's it looks something's exact, missing. Something's missing. Mm. That's right. And um, but we know that uh, we can't imagine that person apart from that body mm-hmm. at the same time. You know what I mean? So the resurrection um, it, it, it is bodily. Uh, I've kind of answered the second bit. Same bodily. Yeah. As mm-hmm. in it, it relates somehow to the the individual's Correct. body in some 
continuous way. Yeah, that, that, that's right. So it, it, it needs to be that body because um, that's me. So uh, I'll, I'll be recognizable in some sense. 100%. Um, mm. So, and that, that's really important for a reason I touched on in the sermon, this idea of justice, um, that our experience of the world is sort of mediated, is carried out through this very body. Mm. Like me is this body soul composite, Jonathan, mm-hmm. doing stuff. So if I hit you with the pool noodle playfully, mm-hmm. I'd say that's a morally neutral action. If I knocked you out, um, malevolently, I'd say that's a that's an evil action, and it's me in this body doing that, and and therefore there's a kind of justice requirement that I answer in this body mm. f- for for that action of hitting you more than playfully hard with the pull noodle. Okay, so that's same bodily, yeah. And then the last one was transformative, yeah. So I guess that's the I guess the discontinuous element yeah. to the to the whole scenario, yeah. And and it can be sort of briefly put like this our experience of bodily life is uh is is one of decay sure there's strength and maturity and happiness and so on and, and you, we, we exalt youth but we don't stay young um Amen. And, <laughs> 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 um and 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 so that's an issue and the transformation will mean that uh that all that decay will go um and actually, sort of the our bodies will be like Jesus's sort of transformed, glorified body, because because Jesus right now mm. is is in his bodily form. Yeah, yeah, the it, resurrected that's, that's body. Who Jesus, the Son of God, took on flesh, and so and and it's glorious and what he's like, and we can't even imagine what that's going to be like. But we know that we won't be subject to death or decay, and 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 our bodies will have a certain splendor or majesty about them that we we just sort of can't conceive mm. of right now. Mm. I love that there's one part of creation that is immune to decay right now. Mm. Jesus' body. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Already been raised. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's amazing. An amazing yep. thought. Yeah. And there's that picture in Colossians, isn't there, of him being the firstborn from among the dead. So mm. there's little, not so little actually, incredible first fruit, first sign of what's coming. Uh, yeah, it's it's glorious, mm-hmm. and it's personally hugely encouraging. Both those things that uh, Jonathan's touched on in the sermon, both the continuity idea, not just for our own bodies, but for the bodies of those that we love and care for, to know that we will see them and we'll recognise them. Um, I've got this. Uh, I've got two actually, two white rocks that sit on my desk. Hmm. Uh, have for years. Uh, since uh, 1998, a best friend uh, died, and I picked up the rock because of the there's a there's a strange promise in Revelation which I won't go into, but it, it talks about that idea of a white stone, and uh, it I keep it to remind me that I will see him and I'll recognise him, and I remember on about 20 year anniversary picking up another one, both from Bungan Beach, um, which has nothing to do with this. Um, but just as as a, a, a remembrance of that that testimony that we've heard from uh, the Psalms uh, in this most recent sermon, that yeah, it's the same body, the mm. same body that that is lost that we can't see and uh, recognize now and and be with now, but we'll we'll see again. There's this um, brilliant book by a, a, a theologian called Nicholas Voltestoff, who usually writes almost impenetrable books, but he wrote a book about his son when he died called Lament for a Son and I think it picks up the sort of things we've been talking about and anybody who's suffered that sort of grief if you want a picture of the biblical hope of the resurrection of that same body that's well worth uh, picking up mm. yeah. yeah that's wonderful the um, yeah the hope that that speaks to that idea mm. of the continuity the same body yeah um, what 
what are some of maybe the other implications of kind of these three ideas um, about the resurrection in life, do you think? I want to hear one of your ones and then I'll share one. You want to hear one of my implications? Yep. Yeah, I mean, what I what I love about the resurrection, among other things, is that it's it speaks of a world that will be joyous and that we, we get glimpses of that joy here um, when we experience things. I, I don't know what it'll be like, but looking at a, at a sunrise or something beautiful in nature, right? That brings just such a sense of awe at God's um, creative skill. Mm. And there'll be a sense of that somehow in a, a bigger way in new creation that will understand God's creative skill in a in a in a more massive way than the, the, the glimpse we get of it, as we see that the sun kind of rise yeah. or something like that. For me, I think there's this super stupid idea that Christians don't have fun. It is so stupid and untrue. I mean, um, I've seen you getting into those twisties, Jonathan. I and 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 sort of in in one respect, G.K. Chesterton is is my hero in this respect. He was all about having a, a, a good time properly. You know, Christians actually know how to have joy. Christians know how to find delight in things. And, and, and sometimes we can go too far and, and look not at all different to the world. But, but sometimes we can retreat the other way and, and kind of step back from the good things that God has made. Mm. Um, so you, you mentioned sunset, um, conversation, with friends, a darn good coffee. Um, you know, there. Is, I mean, I, I can sort of multiply idiosyncratic examples, but in every Christian's life, there are good things that they use and enjoy, good gifts of creation that we thank God for. Um, and, and the new creation will be a sort of hyper-participation mm. in that. Everything will be just... The, the way we participate in it, we'll, we'll use it rightly, but our chief joy will actually uh, be sort of in God's God's presence. It's it, it's something that we, we yearn for and long for now, this idea of union with God, being, you know, just with Jesus. Uh, the disciples loved being with him. We will be with him mm-hmm. and, and with him fully. And, and, and it's sort of hard to take it in now, but we get glimpses and, and, and moments of sort of foretasting that. And, um, and, and I so look forward to that. Mm. And with him in the flesh, we will see him in our flesh, in, flesh. in our body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. As 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 we are fully restored, that's just glorious. And we'll see yeah. which major artistic Christian tradition is most right yes. in their representation. Yeah, yeah. What's your hunch? Uh, I'm going orthodox, but maybe not with the alien head. <laughs> I think. I think. Um, I think if we. That will be. I think yeah. the the you, you sort of. I reckon a blend. So I think. Uh, the orthodox with the pigmentation, the sort of, and then uh, the 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 Western tradition, maybe with some of the like realism of the, the human shape. I, I would put them together. Interesting. And, and okay. Yeah. So yep. it's a, it's a whole of church thing when we get it right. I have to see. I'd love you to do a composite, Jonathan, just to let us know exactly what you. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the whiteboard <laughs> later this week. And are you, are you telling me that the new creation would be like going to an art gallery? Um, no, that's very um, sort of middle class. Yeah, yeah. Because that's not winning me over. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Maybe yeah. a, maybe a good exhibition that's really accessible and people can uniformly say, "Oh no, that looks pretty good." 
as opposed to straining to affirm something as nice when the you just know you prize. Yeah, for example. Like yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, we've covered a few things. We've covered, I think, you know, Jesus' resurrection. We've tried to cover some of the implications of the resurrection for us. But we just finish with this kind of um, this passage from 1 Thessalonians that kind of speaks to the time that Jesus returns and we all get resurrected, which is uh, going to be amazing. So uh, let's read this. This is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Amen. Thank you.